Fundamentally, Scoopit is about helping marketers figure out what content to publish using data science. Do you want to impact the world and still turn a profit? Then you're in the right place. Welcome to Growth Everywhere. This is the show where you'll find real conversations with real entrepreneurs. They'll share everything from their biggest struggle to the exact strategies they use on a daily basis. So if you're ready for a value-packed interview, listen on. Here's your host, Eric Sue. Before we jump into today's interview, if you guys could leave a review and a rating and also subscribe as well, that would be a huge help to the podcast. So if you actually enjoy the content and you'd like to hear more of it, please support us by leaving us a review and subscribe to the podcast as well. Thanks so much. Okay, everyone. Today we have Guillaume Dikugis, who is the co-founder and CEO of Scoopit, which is content marketing software that helps you grow. I'm going to let him make it kind of elaborate what that is in a second. But first and foremost, Guillaume, how is it going? Hi, everyone. So great. Thanks, uh, Eric, for having me. So things are great. We're just launching uh, a new product. So pretty exciting stuff. Yeah, that's fantastic. I want to talk about the product in a second. But I'm curious. I mean, what is what is your story? What is your background? How did you get to where you are now? Oh, uh, so I've been an entrepreneur for 15 years. You know, what we, um, I guess, you know, what got me into content marketing um, was um, a, a previous project we worked on that failed, where we noticed that content was playing a, a very new role. And uh, I guess there's a personal connection to in the sense that um, as a teenager, I wanted to be a writer. And I guess that's a dream that never uh, came to be. But uh, I always had this frustration about, you know, uh, about content. And um, so when, uh, you know, we started to realize content was the new way to drive marketing, to drive visibility, uh, we figured, hey, there's a great opportunity here to help uh, people make that transition to a world where content drives our, our visibility. So we thought about building technology to help them do that. Uh, and that was the starting point for Scoopit. Love it. Okay. And so how does, how does Scoopit work? Can you kind of elaborate a little more on, on, on what it does and how it helps people? Yeah, so you know, fundamentally, Scoopit is about helping marketers figure out what content to publish using data science. So what we, you know, what we've known for and what we started with is content curation. Uh, if you if you think about content curation, it's about discovering uh, what's out there on the web, what's been published on a bunch of different topics. So having technology to help you access that, discover it, filter it, and being able to publish that to your own channels to enrich it, to drive conversation with that content. And that's been a very uh, interesting way to get people on board and uh, with content marketing because it's hard to publish and create great original content. So it's a, it's a lower barrier to entry to curate content. So we started by that, then added capabilities to help you manage and then create original content. And the next step in the journey is what we call content intelligence. So having data from um, you know all of the content we curate and filter to help guide your, your marketing strategy. So that's what we're doing. Okay, and what, what, I mean, to kind of simplify it even more for people, what, is there any, are there any case studies or, or customer stories you can share around how Scoopit made them successful? Yeah, so if you think about, you know, um, any, any company uh, that has to publish content, it's always gonna be a mix of the content they create and a mix of content they curate. So, you know, we've helped, um, you know, companies like Docker, you know, multiply the volume of content they publish by a factor of two to three uh, in a matter of weeks by, you know, uh, automating a, a number of um, uh, processes around publication, but most importantly, helping them find content 
that relates to the, um, the the topics that matter to their target audience. Got it. Okay, so it's I'm I'm looking at the site right now. So it's curated content pages, so people can kind of pick and choose what they think makes sense for their brand. And you guys just help people save time on that, right? Yeah, absolutely. So the the, the proposition for marketers is really around entering a few keywords, receiving content suggestions that they can publish to their social networks, to their blogs, to their emails, and engage their audience with great relevant content in a matter of minutes, as opposed to, you know, for instance, you creating this podcast as an investment, it takes time. And it's absolutely something that um, is valuable and interesting, but you want to have a mix of content you create and content you curate. And that's what we, we help with. Right. Okay. And so I'm looking at, are you, I'm assuming you probably integrate with a bunch of platforms out there. Yeah, absolutely. We, we integrate with, you know, CMS like WordPress, with marketing automation platforms like uh, HubSpot, uh, email systems like MailChimp. Uh, so the marketing stack is, you know, becoming pretty complex. So we integrate with uh, a bunch of different tools, but we try to be the place that helps you manage this content lifecycle very efficiently. Okay. And how do you go about, how do you make money? So, you know, our business is B2B SaaS. So, you know, we, uh, we sell software licenses, uh, subscriptions um, on a monthly or yearly basis. So traditional SaaS model. Okay. So I see there's a free pricing right here. There's a pro annual where it's uh, $11 per month and business annual 67 bucks per month. And then is, is 67 bucks a month, is that your most popular one, the, the business annual? So that's what we. Um, so that's what uh, individuals um, use. So you know, uh, professional uh, consultants, Soho businesses. Then we have some higher uh, price product for you know uh, the B two B part of our business. So mm-hmm. companies, um, SMBs, all the way to um, enterprise uh, clients like IBM, for instance. Uh, so it's a pretty scalable uh, model. Okay, and how do you generally charge for like the mid market to enterprise uh, companies? So mid-market average price is in a six to eight k a year um, average, um, you know, typical implementation, um, and then you know enterprise can be, um, um, you know, a multiple of that. Great. Yeah. The reason I ask is because I was at Saster a couple of weeks ago, and then the the theme I was getting from everyone just talking to people is, you know, Eric, we're going up market. We're going up market. Everyone's just going up market. So you know, when I look at the prices at eleven bucks a month or sixty seven a month, I have to think, well, you know, that that kind of aligns with the theme with other people where they know that it's not sustainable to charge the, the smaller pricing. But my understanding is this is just for the individuals, probably a smaller portion of your revenue. Really, the 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 bulk of your revenue is probably the B two B, right? Exactly. And that's, you know, one of the lessons we learned, uh, you know, historically, we started as a free product just to see whether we could get traction with the technology. And, you know, Scubit has been growing very organically, very virally uh, as a free product. And we thought, you know, there's a model around freemium to, uh, to build, you know, using a freemium model. And it got some traction originally. But then, the, you know, freemium has to have really strong numbers. There's been actually a great... Um, uh, analysis of the Dropbox model as they filed for uh, IPO. You can look at those numbers. They're they're really great if you're thinking about doing a freemium model. It has to be really, really big in terms of volumes to be uh, generating significant revenue. And we felt at some point, okay, it's not going to be delivering the type of revenue level we wanted. So, and on the other hand, we had, you know, large companies, uh, you know, at some point we had Microsoft pay $79 for our software. And we're like, Wow, we're leaving money on the table here. So, you know, we added one and one. And so we decided to launch a B2B offer back in 2015. 
going up market. So we, we've been, um, uh, you know, in that theme of going up market with our, our product and services. And that that whole that whole kind of project pricing project is is not an easy ordeal. So how did you guys go about figuring out pricing for going up market? So I think at the freemium stage, it was uh, it's the hardest. When you're starting to do inside sales and B2B sales, there's a lot of, um, it, it gets, to me, it gets a lot easier because you can, um, you can see from a, a sales conversation, you know, how much value there is and you can do some value-based pricing almost dynamically. And I think the way to do that, to me as, as, a, as an entrepreneur, was to, you know, take the sales goals myself and start to see what I could sell for, you know, what, what value I sense, what, uh, what I could sell for, as opposed to, you know, hearing it indirectly from my sales team. I learned a lot from doing those, you know, some of those sales calls directly myself, kind of understanding what is the pain point, what is the value of that pain point for uh, our prospects. Uh, so, so that's how I learned a lot about, you know, the, the pricing strategy and eventually we, we, we could figure it out. So what I'm hearing is CEO himself rolled up his sleeves and figured it out. Well, it's, and, and by the way, I don't mean that in a way that I was the only one who could figure it out. But I think, you know, a lot of the conversations uh, you have when you hear that indirectly from, you know, other people are like, mm, it's, it remains a bit theoretical. Uh, so, you know, I don't know whoever said that if you're, um, if you're in a founding team, you're in sales. Uh, and I think I applied that to myself. And so, you know, this keeps me real and I still do some sales calls and, and, uh, uh, even some support and stuff. I think, you know, it, it keeps me in touch with, uh, what, um, customers really want. Great. And what, what other numbers can you reveal around the business, such as revenues, number of customers, things like that? Yeah. So, you know, we have about 200, um, uh, customers on the B2B side, uh, mostly, you know, uh, mid market enterprise, uh, companies. We have about 4 million users on the, uh, freemium offer, um, which is big and small. It's, um, you know, it's, it's, a it's an interesting number, but it's very small compared to what it would take to get a, a decent, uh, freemium model to, to work, but it brings us a lot of leads. Uh, a lot of people get to know, uh, scoop it on a personal basis before, you know, saying, Hey, I could use this for, for my company as well. Uh, it brings us data that we're now using in the content intelligence, um, uh, platform. Uh, so that, that's about our scale right now. Great. And so you just mentioned content intelligence platform. Is that the new product that you're launching? Yeah. So that's a product we call uh, Hawkeye. Uh, and, and that's really, uh, trying to apply, you know, right. Historically, we've been a publishing platform. So we help people publish, either a topic page if you're an individual or some curated content or original content to your blogs and emails and so on. But we're, we're helping you with publishing. Um, and we, we want to still do that. And that's a very important part of, um, you know, marketing those days. But uh, a lot of the questions we had from our uh, clients were, well, what topics should we create content on? What, what topics should we embrace and, and say, okay, this is where we're going to have traction. And so what we've been doing is we've been using our own data sets. We have, you know, uh, you know, tens of millions of sources of content. We, we crawl and, and uh, filter on a daily basis. And so we've been adding two things. One is measurement. So we've been measuring um, that content for, you know, impact, quality, and so on. And then we've been analyzing it with natural language uh, processing. So, you know, not getting into technical stuff, but AI uh, that can understand content to really come out with being able to say things like, this is what your competitors are publishing content about, and this is what works for them. Um, so bring, bringing you data that um, justifies spending 
your investments, investing in those two topics because it's been working well for your competitors or because influencers are getting traction with it. Uh, so helping you with uh, your, um, you know, create better content with data. Right. Okay. And what would be an example of somebody, let's see, I'm looking at it right now. So Hawkeye, identifying trending topics that will resonate with your audience. This is really for the people that are actively out there doing content marketing, such as blog post publishing or stuff like that, right? Yeah, that's for marketing teams of, um, you know, mid-sized, large uh, companies who are, you know, investing, uh, you know, Content is becoming now, a, you know, a, an investment area in marketing that can use, easily be in, uh, in millions of dollars a year. Uh, so and it's, you know, what we found is that there's a lot of guesswork and educated guesses at best that are involved in, in figuring out, you know, what content, um, you know, a, a brand or a marketing team should focus on. And you, so you're, you're at this point where you're spending millions on something which is not very predictable, where there's, there's a lot of guesswork. And so we wanted to bring predictability in this by saying, okay, we can back up the fact that you should invest writing on, I don't know, the blockchain impact on whatever, because there's data showing that it's a trending topic. Also finding influencers that can help in that process. So, you know, we want to move from um, an artistic vision of content marketing to a more data driven one. And don't get me wrong, creativity is still very important. We, We don't want this to go away. But we want to bring more predictability in in content marketing success. Wonderful. Okay. And you mentioned there's 4 million people using the freemium product. Yeah. So how did you go about acquiring, let's go with the the B2B, how did you go about acquiring the first, let's say, 20 B2B customers? So the the first ones were actually a byproduct of having the freemium model. Because what what happened is, um, you know, a lot of the people who want to use the, the, the free version are interested in content or marketers themselves. So the the free version is really to build your personal brand. So it's a product for individuals. But a lot of the people who do this are marketers. Um, so there's a um, you know direct connection there. So our first you know B two B customers happen to be uh, existing Scoopit users at the individual level that liked uh, our technology and that wanted to apply it to their businesses. Love it. Okay. Wonderful. And what's working really well for you today in terms of customer acquisition? I can see you have a ton of SEO traffic already. Yeah. So, you know, for us, it's been really around leveraging this um, this user base plus uh, using content. And, you know, of course, it sounds cliche, but, you know, we're a content marketing software company. We, we use content marketing. But, you know, this was really something that, um, you know, I'm not a marketer by training. I'm an engineer by training. And so for me, you know, getting into this marketing uh, space like, you know, seven, uh, six, seven years ago was really an exercise of, you know, having to convince me as the skeptical engineer uh, that, you know, content was actually working. Uh, so we used a lot of content ourselves to, to do a couple of things. One is to nurture and qualify the, the, the users we have on the free platform. So if you're on the free platform, one way we're going to help you realize that there's a B2B offer is through content. And if you're if you're not a marketer, you're probably going to not find that interesting. But if you are, our content will, you know, drive you to our, our B2B funnel. And the second aspect is with content, we're, we're getting, as you said, you know, SEO and then social media traffic. And so content itself is a way to, to, to generate leads for us. We've always uh, been very lead generate demand generation driven with our content. So, you know, and that's actually something that we, we, we find has been missing to some of our clients is, you know, being able to prove the um, the impact of content on demand generation. 
So for us, that's been um, built in in the, in the strategy from the beginning. And what what is your guys' uh, kind of content production output look like? Because it seems like you guys get a lot of traffic. Yeah, so we're um, you know so we're um, so you know we're we're doing uh, blog posts, we're doing um, eBooks, we're doing webinars. What we're trying to articulate is to have a constant uh, stream of you know uh, social media, a constant stream of blog posts that we distribute on social media and by email. So we, we try to work um, you know uh, thoroughly on on distributing that content. Not just as we publish it, but over a longer period of time. So we try to produce evergreen content, uh, share it, you know, over maybe you know three, six, nine months, and then the role of that content is really to get you know top of the funnel interest. And then if um, you know people are like this content, we we offer them a call to action to maybe go deeper on the topic through an ebook that's going to be um, you know going uh, more in details or attending a webinar. So we try to align the content with the different calls to action we can offer and make people progress into the buyer journey we have with them. And and for us, the buyer journey can be summarized as you start engaging with our content because you have some interest in either starting or getting better at content marketing. And we want to provide some education to the point where you realize that you actually need technology to help you be successful with content marketing. And that's where you're going to start engaging and considering our platform. Love it. Okay. Well, it sounds like everything was going very smoothly with this business the whole time, but is there one big struggle you can talk about you, that you faced while growing this business or any other business that you've done in the past? Just any kind of story. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, <laughs> I have lots of stories, but the, the biggest one was the, uh, my second startup. So I had, you know, I've been successful with my first company, like, kind of, <laughs> you know, uh, maybe beginner's luck or something, but it, it ended up being acquired by Microsoft. It was a great story. When I started the second company, I felt, you know, I was the king of the world. I knew everything about entrepreneurship, you know, and it failed miserably. And so, you know, I think, you know, in retrospect, we could have looked at, you know, uh, you know, we could have seen signals for this to happen. We, we, um, it was back, um, you know, 10 years ago, we were building a, uh, a mobile widget platform. And what it meant was that we really wanted to build an experience where, uh, people could, uh, access the services they wanted on their mobile device independently of what the carriers had decided um, to, to license or to partner with. Uh, so th- those were the days of the old internet. And what uh, we started working in, on that actually in uh, 2007. But what happened is that Apple then launched um, the App Store and, you know, really <laughs> doing things a million times better than we did, but delivering the same promise. And we didn't see that coming. And for us, it was a, it was a big uh, wake up call. And so that was a big failure story for us. Uh, we, we had been raising money, working on building a beautiful app, beautiful technology for something that actually became obsolete instantly, uh, with the launch of the app store. So that's, that's a big failure lesson. <laughs> okay. And what, what did you learn from that? So I think, you know, it's, 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 it was about getting out of the office a bit more. Uh, I think we were uh, too much focused on our own thing, focused on our own vision of the world. And our vision was correct, but we didn't realize that while we were working on doing this, um, you know, much bigger companies were doing much bigger things. And uh, in retrospect, we could have seen the signals, uh, you know, much earlier. A lot of people were like us, not believing the iPhone would get any uh, significant traction. I remember what Steve Bolnar said uh, about the iPhone back then, saying there was zero chance that it would get significant traction. And it's easy to kind of uh, be in that echo chamber. Um, you know, back then we were in the old world of mobile. You know, uh, the the mobile industry. We 
you know, a lot of us were kind of um, building those stories and we were kind of in that echo chamber. And sometimes you got to get out of this and see, okay, there's, there's a, a different world that is being built. Uh, so, so that's kind of what I learned. Okay. I'm looking at my notes over here. I, I mean, I see, okay. So the first one, the first company you had was acquired by, well, by OpenWay for $120 million, Is that correct? And then by Microsoft? That's interesting. Well, <laughs> how, do, how does that work? Well, you know, we, um, so we, we were acquired, um, you know, by, by OpenWave back um, in 2005. So OpenWave, I don't know if you uh, remember who they were, but they're, they were at some point the Netscape of mobile. So they, they're the company ah. that invented the first mobile browser. So those guys had a really solid traction back, um, you know, at the top of the first internet bubble. And when they acquired us, they were still, you know, pretty hot NASDAQ listed company. And their play was moving from a technology business to more a content business. We, you know, my, my first company was a digital music platform. Uh, so we were essentially doing the music stores for, you know, most of the European carriers, uh, also doing business in Asia. I was in, um, in France back then. But so we got acquired as a very natural, you know, play for them. But after nine months or so, they started to tank on their main business. And so it became a very difficult um, way to integrate the company. So after a, a series of iterations, um, their CEO got fired. Um, there was a new CEO. You know, I told him, look, you know, we're, we're going to you're not going to help us the way we thought you were. Uh, why don't you sell us? And so he agreed to this. And um, uh, we ended up uh, finding a new home in Microsoft that at the time was still, you know, very bullish on music. I don't know if a lot of people realize that, but Microsoft tried really hard on music. So, <laughs> yeah, I remember. Yeah, they needed a backend platform. They didn't have a backend platform for what they were doing, and so it made a lot of sense. It was a it was a great story uh, for the team. There was a lot of uh, people who you know did some uh, interesting careers at uh, Microsoft. Uh, it was a good integration, even though it happened behind the scene and it hasn't been that visible uh, publicly. Awesome. Well, we're working towards wrapping up here, so I. A couple questions on the personal side too. How do you how do you structure your day? Ah, so you know, I I tend to pack a lot of meetings in the morning. Uh, we have a part of our team in Europe, so um, you know that's a constraint we have. Uh, and I try to work more, um, you know, in the afternoon and um, you know late afternoon on um, longer term uh, things, the, the the projects that I need to be involved in, the, um, uh, the strategy uh, thinking, and and so on. Uh, so the morning are very fast and the um and and deal with the short term the uh the afternoons tend to be dealing more with the the midterm i don't think there's so much a long term for <laughs> for startups but but that's then that's how i tend to uh, to structure things what's one new tool that you've added in the last year that's added a lot of value so it could be like a peloton bike or evernote i'm gonna say full story sustain the business uh, area and if you're familiar with those guys but uh you know, we've been building, a, I, you know, I've been a product builder for a long time. And I think, you know, I've dreamt of having something like full story. So for, for those of you who are not familiar with what they are, they're a system that lets you see what um, your users uh, are doing with your software. It's like sitting over their shoulder and understanding what uh, they're doing, where they're clicking. So, you know, it's a, to me, it's a dream because, you know, when we build product, we always think we know what people are doing with it and we always get it wrong because people are doing something else. Every time you sit and look at how people are using your product, I, you know, you discover a lot of things. So Full Story has been really helping us you know, get some uh, visibility on that. Great. 
And what is one must-read book you'd recommend to everyone? So you know, I'm I'm not a big uh, fan of entrepreneur uh, books. I'm uh, I'm a big fan of uh, a particular blog, which to me is a much better format on entrepreneurship, which is the blog of uh, Tom Tingens at Redpoint. Oh yeah, yeah. He's been on this podcast. Okay, well, he's. Uh, I think he's my favorite blogger uh, right now. He's uh, really making you know very uh, very great content. So to me, I learn a lot more you know reading uh, his stuff than uh, than books. I'm not a. I, I like to I like to read books for um, you know as a, uh, for pleasure, but uh, not so much for uh, for business. Well, well, give us a book that you remember that uh, that that you like for pleasure. Well, recently I've been reading the, the latest uh, Ken Follett, um, uh, the trilogy of, uh, of Kingsbridge, uh, which is a medieval uh, novel. So it's called Column of Fire. <laughs> I'll take that. We'll put that, in, we'll put that in the show notes. Well, Guillaume, this has been fantastic. What's the best way for people to find you online? Uh, so you can find me on Twitter at uh, G-D-E-C-U-G-I-S uh, or on the, the Scoopit blog as well, blog.scoop.it. Awesome. Well, Guillaume, thanks so much for doing this. Well, thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Growth Everywhere. If you loved what you heard, be sure to head back to growtheverywhere.com for today's show notes and a ton of additional resources. But before you go, hit the subscribe button to avoid missing out on next week's value-packed interview. Enjoy the rest of your week and remember to take action and continue growing.